Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslander. This message is from the series Ephesians, Who We Are and What We Do as Believers, and was preached on August 1st, 2021. Preaching on Ephesians and who are we? So since this is about us, Pastor, will you come down here? I said you got to, I said, I said you got to move around. I have props. All right, all right. Where do you want me? Right here, right here, right here. Because we're not going to worry about them. Okay. So it's these guys. Okay. All right, so I got a bunch of names down here. I want you to find dad, and I want you to put it on Pastor Jack, because that's a name that he goes by. Come on, come on, find it. Find a name. Don't rip them off. There you go. Take them off. It's a sticker. You find dad? How about Jack? Find, go ahead. And, if you've got dad, put dad on pastor. And what is that one? Crazy? That's a name he's gone by. How about Commodore? That's a name. And friend? Yeah, let's put it on him. Go ahead and put it on him. What names do we have on there? Grandpa? Of course. All right, let's keep it on his shirt, Miss Lily. All right, camel, grandpa, friend, son, Commodore's down there. We've got some more. All of these names. How about captain, husband, uncle? These are all names that he's gone by. Do we have any more down there? Everything? Husband, right? Camel, crazy, friend, grandpa. These are all names. All right, let's go ahead and sit back down and let's look. You can show them. Look at all of those names that Pastor has gone by, right? That's that's all that we've, how many of you have ever called him that? I call him Pastor all the time. So that's, that's, that's who he is, right? He's all of those things. But in Ephesians, Paul, he actually says something very important. So now the fun part, take them all off. So we're just gonna take all those names back off. Take them all off because... Don't take his shirt off. We don't want that. All right, so we got them all off because now that's not the most important name that pastor goes by. Do you know the most important thing that he goes by? What? Jesus, or to be called a what? A Christian. And that makes him one of those fantastic people that we talk about in Ephesians. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this moment that we can spend getting into your word. Lord, and sometimes it's fun and it's silly, and you have given us these wonderful things because you're a good God that does amazing work. And we are so proud that when we get to know you and we accept your gift of salvation we can be called christians and you have set us apart lord i ask that you would speak through our pastor your servant that we might hear from you today in jesus name amen amen thank you all children for coming up. i didn't know you're gonna have attack me 
But we are starting a new study today on the book of Ephesians, who we are and what we do in Christ, who we are and how we live as Christians. I love the book of Ephesians. It's essentially three chapters from Paul on truth, basic, solid truth with an emphasis on who we are in Christ, and then three chapters on how we live as followers of Christ. I consider it Paul's masterpiece. If you only had one book of Paul, this is the one that I would recommend. Of course, we have many more, and they're all valuable. But this is, I consider, the absolute masterpiece of Paul. So today is, who are we? Who we are? Now, as Jeremy and the children showed you, I have many titles. Some of you call me pastor. Some of you call me preacher. Been a long time, Bessie Mae, since you called me preacher boy. That was uh, 20 years or more ago. To some of my favorite people, I'm daddy or dad or even pops. To some of my favorite people, I'm grandpa. One person calls me sweetie. I hope you know who that is. <laughs> one person and one person only can get away with this, so don't adopt it. But my mom still occasionally slips and calls me Jackie. I don't want you to pick that up, but she still does that on occasion. On the basketball court, I've been called coach and ref. And as ref, I've been called a few names that I don't want to repeat here. <laughs> to some people, I'm just that crazy Raiders fan. In one of my roles, I'm called president. But as Jeremy pointed out, my favorite title is simple. I'm a Christian, a follower of Jesus. Now, in this first section on Ephesians, Paul actually gives us, as believers, 10 separate titles. If you're a believer, they apply to you. If you're not yet a believer, these 10 titles that Paul calls us will apply to you when you begin to follow Jesus, when you make him the Lord of your life, when you believe in him. So as we read these first 10 verses, then see if you can catch them. Now, it's Ephesians chapter 1. I always put the verses on the screen, but I really want you to be able to follow along in your own Bibles. So if you have your Bibles open to the book of Ephesians, it's about two-thirds of the way through the New Testament. If you use a Bible app, it's pretty easy to find, and many of you do that. Pastor always wonders when you've got your, your phone out if you're actually reading the Bible or doing Facebook. I trust you'll be reading the Bible. So Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Let's all stand together as we read that. Ephesians 1, these words. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. 
With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. You may be seated. Now, as you can tell, um, Paul didn't waste words. There is an abundance of, of information there. I hope you caught the ten titles that Paul gave us. We'll go through these. It's a very impressive list. The titles he gave us are far more impressive than any title the world can give us. And the world bestows on certain people some pretty impressive titles. President, king, champion, world champion, gold medalist, best of all time. The titles that God gives us are more amazing than all of them. And knowing what these titles are, because they apply to you if you're a believer in Jesus, knowing what these titles are will help you understand what God has done in your life. Now, before I get to those 10, let's recognize the title that Paul gave himself. He starts off by saying, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. He calls himself an apostle, meaning one sent by God. Now, he could have said more, and maybe we would if we were introducing him, because we think of him as the greatest missionary of all time. One of the, the books in my library that I really love calls him Paul, the interpreter of Christ. There are other titles that we could give him, maybe even the most important follower of Jesus the world has known, for he took the lead in making Jesus known throughout the entire world during his lifetime. But he introduces himself with the name that Jesus gave him, Paul, and the thing he is most proud of. He's one sent by God as a messenger of Jesus. Now with that introduction, let's look at the 10 things that Paul called us, the 10 titles that apply to us as believers in Jesus. In verse number one, he calls us the saints or the holy ones depending upon your translation. Is that what saints means, by the way, is holy one. To God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, don't make the mistake that some denominations have made in setting aside a very small, particular group of people and calling them saints. The New Testament makes it clear that all believers in Jesus are called saints. You, as a believer in Jesus, are a saint, are one of the holy ones of God. And so understand what Jesus does to us. He calls the unholy, he forgives them, he changes them, he gives them the Holy Spirit, and then he gives them the title saint or holy one. And the New Testament is full of these stories. There's a story of a prostitute who became a saint, a leper who became a saint, Paul himself was an accessory to murder, and he became a saint. It's our title. If you are a believer, you are a saint. It's our title, and it's to our discredit when we don't live up to it. For that's who we are, a holy one of God. That's one of our titles. Number two, also in verse one, Paul calls us the faithful ones. We are the faithful 
in Christ Jesus. We are the ones, according to this title, who don't give up. We don't back down. We don't start and stop. We keep going. We follow Christ today. We will follow Christ tomorrow. We will follow Christ until we die and then for an eternity ever after. We follow Jesus in the good times and in the bad times. We follow Jesus when we're surrounded by thousands of other believers and when we're the only one in the room. We follow Jesus when it's popular and when it's not. We are the faithful ones, a title that God has given us. And so it's to our discredit when we are unfaithful, for that's who we are. I mean, that's the title God has given us. You are, I am, we are the faithful ones in Christ. I want you to understand these titles because as you can see where I'm going, I'm going to challenge you to live up to them. This is what God calls us. And since he calls me a Christian, I want to live up to it. And as a Christian, I'm a saint. I am a faithful one. And then after giving us greeting and offering us grace and peace, Paul calls us the blessed ones. Verse 2, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Give praise to God, Paul says, because we are the blessed ones. God has blessed us tremendously. Now, that doesn't mean we're all going to be blessed physically or with earthly prosperity. Like other human beings, we face sickness and poverty and pain and disease and family issues, but we have blessings in the spiritual realm, blessings in the spiritual realm that others do not have. So the world may look at us and think we're poor, but we are rich here, and we have riches in heaven that no one can take from us. The world may look at us and consider us broken, but we know in our spirits we have been healed by God and blessed tremendously. The world may consider us trivial and unimportant, but we know that God has everything under control and that we are loved by God. And if I'm loved by God, even if the world doesn't think I'm anybody very special, I'm okay with that. Because in God's eyes, I'm somebody. The world may see problems that we have, but we know that God has it under control and we have confidence in the future. And so Paul says, listen, we are the blessed ones. We have been incredibly blessed. And it's to our discredit when we forget that, for we are the blessed ones in Christ. Number four, he calls us this. These are all titles that apply to us. And I want you to understand that's who you are. You're a saint, you're a faithful one, you're a blessed one, and number four, you're a chosen one. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Now think of what that means, because that's a powerful statement. Before God said, let there be light, God chose us to be his people. When the earth was cooling and God was separating the, the dry land from the waters, then God had already chosen his people. And way back then, God already knew that he was going to create me and then call me and say, Jack, follow me. 
And way back then, at the very beginning, before let there be light, God knew that he was going to call you and say, Preston, follow me. Before the creation of the world, we were the chosen ones. It's not an accident. God knew what he was doing. He has a plan, and we were part of that plan. God chose us. I uh, moved between first and second grade. And so I had that lonely feeling that a lot of students have when you move into a brand new school and everybody knows everybody else and nobody knows you on day one. And at recess, we were just kind of, this school just kind of turned loose for about 15 minutes and very quickly a kickball game on day one was organized. Two captains picked their teams. I didn't know anybody, so I kind of stood off to one side kind of hoping I would be picked, but I don't know, they didn't see me, didn't even notice me, didn't know who I was, didn't, couldn't call me by name, and so the two teams were picked and started playing, and I, and I had that lonely feeling, nobody wants me. That happens sometimes in the world, but it does not happen to us because God chose me. God chose you. Before the beginning of the world, he could look into the future and see. I love them. I want them. And so I'm choosing them to follow me. So if we're a believer. We have been chosen by God from the very beginning. And it's to our discredit when we forget that calling. For we are the chosen ones in Christ. Number five. I don't know how I could, thought I could get a ten-point sermon in here, but I'm doing my best. Number five. We are the blameless ones. Paul said he chose us in him before the creation of the world. That's he chose us to be holy and blameless in his sight. He didn't choose us just to give us a name tag. You're Jack Marshall or one of the chosen ones, a Christian. He chose us to live holy and blameless lives. But notice what it says. We are blameless in his sight. Now, I am well too aware of my own sin. And sometimes it shows, and you all are well too aware of my own sin. I'm not yet blameless in the eyes of the world, nor in my own eyes. But God has declared me to be blameless because Jesus already paid the penalty for my sins. And he already paid the penalty for your sins. And so he can look upon you as blameless. Now, we're in that process. We're on the assembly line, so to speak, of holiness and blamelessness. That's what God is turning us into. And it's to our discredit when we forget that we were chosen to become blameless and allow unforgiven and unrepentant sin to clutter our lives for we are this is a title God has given us and he calls us the blameless ones in Christ number six is another incredible one these are all good titles that God has given us we are also the adopted ones once we were not part of his family now we are because he chose us and purposely adopted us into his family Verse 5 says, he predestined us for adoption to sonship. So before creation of the world, God determined, 
predestined, chose that he would have a family here on earth, a family of sons and daughters. We're not just nameless, numberless, faceless people as part of the church. I'm not just, do I have the, the, the numbers here? Follower of Jesus, number AZ555UA602741442594529B. 4259 I'm not just a number. I'm a son. And fathers know the names of their children, their sons and their daughters. And, and so God says, listen, this is who you are. You've been adopted into my family. You're my sons. You're my daughters. And so you're brothers and sisters to each other. And so we need to understand that. We're, we're, we're part of God's family. It's to our discredit when we choose to be independent of God and of the church. For we are the adopted ones and part of God's family. I want you to understand, this is how God looks at us. Your family. I love you. You're my son. You're my daughter. Yes, expectations come along with that, but that's who you are. Number seven, Paul calls us the loved ones. The whole passage is just filled with words like love and grace. Verse five says, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. Verse 7 and 8, Paul again mentions God's grace and says that he lavished, I love that word, he lavished his grace on us. He wasn't stingy with us. He didn't give us just a little bit of love and a little bit of grace. He poured it on. Now, I want you to understand grace since it is one of the key words in the New Testament. It's often defined as unmerited favor. I like to simply simplify that to it. It's undeserved love. God gives us love when we don't deserve it. God loves us even though we do not deserve it. And I, I really do like that phrase, that he lavished on us, that he threw upon us overly, abundantly, Beyond all measure, we can't measure how much God loves us. There's no way to put a number on it on a scale of 1 to 10. We're at about 1 million. God lavished his love upon us. It's like making us the guest of honor when we really deserve to be the toilet cleaner. It's like paying us millions when we don't even work hard enough to earn minimum wage. It's like putting us in the presidential suite when we really deserve a, a pump tit out in the gravel. God lavishes his love on us. And so one of the titles that I want you to understand, you are a loved one by God. Now I know it's important to you and it's important to me that you're loved by your family and you're loved by your church. And it's important to us that we're loved by our friends we are loved by God and he lavishes his love on us and so it is to our discredit when we act like a whipped puppy no one loves me no one cares for me the creator of the universe loves me number eight we are the redeemed ones verse seven says in him we have redemption through his blood. Redeemed essentially means paid for. 
It was often used in the context of slavery. A free man might work hard and earn enough money to pay for and redeem his wife or a son or a daughter or a parent or a friend. He worked and then he redeemed the slave. And that's what Jesus on the cross did for us. It was his life, it was his blood, it was his death that redeemed us and we're no longer slaves, we're free men in Christ. We're no longer tied to the ways of the world and the ways of sin, we are free men and our record is now clear. There is nothing that the world can hold on to us because Jesus has redeemed us. So it is to our discredit when we carry guilt for sins that have already been forgiven or when we allow sin to once again enslave us. We're the redeemed ones. And that's a title that we need to accept and buy into and then live up to it. We are free people in Christ, no longer a slave to sin. Number nine, we are the forgiven ones. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. That means that we have been declared not guilty. And there is no possible punishment left for anything that we have done from God. Jesus on the cross paid the penalty for our sins. Our record is now clear. We have been declared clean. And so it is to our discredit when we carry guilt for sins that have already been forgiven or when we fail to forgive others for we are the forgiven ones and number 10 we are the fulfillment of all things in Christ listen to this 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 verse it's a little deeper it's not one we often talk about but with all wisdom and understanding he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. That's what we talked about in the previous series, that that, that God's final goal for us is not earth-centered, it's heaven-centered. And someday, all things will be pulled together and we will all be perfectly unified in Christ in heaven. Now, we work for that on this earth. We want unity. We want all things to work according to God's plan. It's never going to fully happen on this earth as much as we long for. But someday we have this hope and this confidence that God is going to pull it all together in heaven. And that is the fulfillment of his goal. He looks forward just as much as we do. I mean, we talk a lot about Jesus come back and come back quickly and we want you to come now and we long for heaven. Listen, God longs for it even more than we do. That is the fulfillment of all things he created us because someday he wants to live in perfect unity and harmony without any sin, any distractions, any pain, any misery, any hurt, any cancer, any heart attacks, any broken families, any hurt feelings. He looks forward to the day when all things are fulfilled in Christ. And we are part of that. That is who we are. That's a pretty incredible list of of titles that God has given us by 
the way. So we are called the saints. We are the faithful ones. We are the blessed ones. We are the chosen ones. We are the blameless ones. Going backwards here, sorry. We are the adopted ones. We are the loved ones. We are the redeemed ones. We are the forgiven ones. And we are the fulfillment of all things in Christ. That is who you are. So put your heads up and quit moaning and whining and groaning about how horrible and terrible things are. Listen, God has said, this is who you are, and that is the most incredible list of titles anybody has ever given me. So we have this incredible identity. The who we are has been declared by God. And if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, then that is who you are. And if you haven't yet, then I want you to understand that when you do, these things all become true of you. So what do we do with this identity? I'm going to give you two things that I'm going to ask you to do today. 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 You understand that? I'm going to ask you to do these things today. Okay? Number one, or letter A, thank God for who you are. If you are a Christian, if you have put your faith and trust in Jesus, then you are all of these things and all of these incredible titles describe you. God has done all those things for you. He has forgiven you. He has redeemed you. He has loved you. He has called you blameless. He has called you a holy one. So understand something about our faith. It's not just a philosophy of life. It's not just our chosen religion. It's not just a box that says Christian that you check on a census form. It's not just the church that you go to. If you are a Christian, then God has done all of these incredible things for us. And at the very least, you and I ought to be incredibly thankful for them. So thank God every day for what he has done for you and what he is continuing to do in you. Because he's given you those titles. It doesn't mean you've yet lived up to them. That will be in the next step. But thank God for what he's done and that you're on that assembly line of becoming holy and blameless and a saint. So I, I really do, even during the prayer time. We'll give you a chance to come forward and pray with someone if you would like. But, but during the prayer time today, before this service is over, I'm going to ask you to thank God for everything that he has done in your life. And then be Live up to who you are. And that requires a deep commitment. Having these titles is one thing. Living up to them is another. And we are called to be what God has called us. I told you that my favorite title is Christian or follower of Jesus. It's who I am. It's also who I'm supposed to be. And it does not, listen carefully, it does not happen by accident. I will not become holy by accident. That requires a deep commitment in my heart that I'm asking you to make today. I will live up to what you've called me, God, with the best of my ability, with the help of your Holy Spirit, with a deeper understanding of your word, with the help of a church around me who will help make me stronger. I, I want to be holy since you've called me holy. Being blameless does not happen by accident. It takes a deep commitment that on every single decision in life, I will act with integrity and honesty and faithfulness. 
and I've known too many Christians that it never really happens because they go by the name, but not by the lifestyle. I won't be faithful simply by going to church once per week. Faithfulness is an ongoing, every day, really every moment lifestyle. I will be faithful in this decision and in this decision and in this decision, and I will choose him this day and this day and this day and this moment. And it doesn't happen without working at it. I can't be a functioning part of God's family without working hard on my relationship with God and on my relationship with the church. So what I'm telling you is, look, God has given us these incredible titles. And they are true. That's who we are. And now he wants us to live up to it. I'm calling you holy. Be holy. I'm calling you blameless. Be blameless. I'm calling you a son. Live as if you were my son. And that takes incredible commitment and devotion to God. I've told you the story before. It's one of my favorites, so I apologize if you've heard it before, but it speaks to me, the story of uh, Alexander the Great. He was one of the world's great generals. He was only a king, really, for 13 years. But in those 13 years, he conquered a territory that extended from Greece down to Egypt as far away as India. Consider one of the world's most incredible generals. And after battles, his custom was to review the troops, to call them before them, and, and they gave an accounting. And on one of those days in which he had the troops come before him, a young man was brought to him in chains and thrown at his feet. And Alexander asked, what is he charged with? And the guard said, he is charged with cowardice in battle. To Alexander the Great, that was the worst possible thing that a man could be, a coward. And most times, he would immediately have the man killed. But somehow on this day, he had a little bit of compassion, and he looked at the man and saw that really he was only a teen, maybe even only a boy, and in compassion, he said to the young man, what's your name? And the young boy said, it's Alexander, sir. And he said he stared at him, and he had these penetrating eyes like many leaders. Stared at him for about 30 seconds. And just said, release him. But Alexander, either change your name or change your behavior going to go by my name then live up to my standards we go by the name of Jesus and so we are called to live like Jesus and that's more than coming to church and walking the aisle and being baptized that's a lifelong commitment to live up to who we are thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church if we can help you in any way, please contact us. Our information is on our webpage at abcaz.net or you can call us at 623-932-2723. Thank you and may God bless you and your family.